God tonight. And uh, I want to speak to you about the keys to the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom. And uh, we're going to begin our lesson tonight from the gospel according to Matthew because this particular passage that I'm going to read to you, uh, it actually is when Jesus references the fact that there are keys of the kingdom. And, and that's an important thing to know, that there are actually keys to this kingdom because this kingdom is the greatest thing that the world has ever known. And, and it's important that people know there's a way into it. There's a way to get inside of it. And so we want to talk about that tonight. Matthew chapter 16, it happens in verse uh, 13. The disciples are talking to Jesus and they are asking him, or he is asking them, rather, uh, if anybody knows what people are saying about him. Matthew 16 and verse 13, the Bible says, When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you are John the Baptist. Some say you are Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, and this is what we need to take note of, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So they're talking to Jesus, and Jesus is asking them, who do people think I am, and who do they say that I am? And they said, some say you are Jeremiah, some say you are John the Baptist, some say you are Elijah or one of the prophets. But Jesus said, you know what, that's really good to know, but my real question is, who do you say that I am? Because it doesn't matter what everybody else says that he is. It matters who do you think he is and who do you say that he is. Because, because if you don't get it right, it doesn't matter what everybody else says. You have to know who Jesus is. And so Peter just pipes up and says, you're the Christ. You're the long-awaited Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. Now, I don't know how many times flesh and blood had shared that with Peter. In other words, I don't know how many times he sat before a teacher and a teacher said to him, hey, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because it probably was a lot, in all honesty. In fact, he, he even spoke up to say, you are the Christ, meaning I know all about this Christ, and I know that you are him. So, so this is something Peter was well aware of, something that Peter was willing to speak of, but Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I want you to know that when it comes to knowing Jesus, flesh and blood will never be able to reveal that to you. You have to come to that understanding through Almighty God. Now, I will preach it. I will teach it. I will sow seed. I will whet one's appetite for truth. But only God can reveal to you who he is. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so God is revealing to Peter who he is, and Jesus says, I'm going to give to you the keys to the kingdom because 
you understand who I am. And let me tell you, when you start understanding who he is, then you have access to the keys. And if you have the keys, you have access to the kingdom. So now let's look to the book of Acts chapter 2. And I want to read this in your hearing, a couple of verses of scripture, Acts chapter 2. And we're going to get more into Acts chapter 2. But I want to read to you these very beautiful verses of scripture. If you've been here for a while, you are familiar with these. This may be your first time hearing them. So I want to read them in your hearing. We're going to start at verse 36 of Acts chapter 2. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And I, I want to point your attention specifically to verse 38 where he mentions three things in reference to their question. What shall we do? What in the world are we going to do? And these are the three responses. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So there are three references he makes. These, ladies and gentlemen, are the keys to the kingdom. These are the keys to the kingdom. Amen. In the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Nebuchadnezzar was a tyrant. He was one of the first world rulers, if you please. He, he was that, uh, that um, villain who basically had the evil laugh and said, I'm going to take over the world. And, he, and that's what he did. He took over the region that was his world and, and he oversaw the Babylonian empire. And, uh, and he really was full of himself and he, was, um, he, he really had a higher estimation of himself than he should have. His ego was off the charts and one night he had a dream, and in this dream he was troubled. And uh, when he woke up, he didn't know what he had dreamt, but it troubled him. It scared him. He didn't, he didn't know what it was, but he could not go back to sleep. In the middle of the night, he's calling together his magicians, his soothsayers, his uh, Chaldeans, all the people who were spiritual and into spiritualism. Let me tell you something. The spiritual world is a dangerous place. And, and the only way we should ever deal with the things of the Spirit is in Christ. Because Jesus Christ has overcome all principalities and all powers. So don't dabble or deal with anything of a spiritual nature. And, and I know this is, this is important to hear just coming out of October 31st season. But don't dabble with anything of a spiritual nature. Everything dealt with in the spirit needs to be dealt with in Jesus Christ. It's in Christ that we sit together in heavenly places. It's in Christ that we are made whole and we are complete in Jesus Christ. And the promises of God in Jesus Christ are yea and amen. So all of our power and all of our ability, all of it is rooted and centered 
in Jesus Christ. And you are opening yourself up to a world of hell and devils. If you try to dabble in spiritualism, the only way you need to do anything in the spirit is in Jesus Christ. So we don't go forth into this world and deal with matters of spiritual nature. We simply say in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. We're not mystical. We're not spiritual. We're not superstitious. No, we're not spiritual in, the, in a spiritualistic uh, frame of thought. We're not superstitious. We are in Christ, and that's it. And you have more power in Christ than you can have in any other form or forum. Praise God. So, so these, this, these men were called together. These people were called together. All of these magicians and all of these soothsayers and all of these uh, 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 sorcerers. And, and Nebuchadnezzar said, I have a, a, a request. I need you all to tell me the meaning of my dream. I had this dream, and I need you all to tell me the meaning of it. Do your little potions and hocus pocus and pull together all your little incantations and chanting and whatever you do that you do, tell me what it was that I dreamt and what, what the meaning is. And they said, well, absolutely, we'd be happy to tell you what the dream means. Uh, tell us what you dreamed. And he said, well, therein is the problem. I don't remember what I dreamed. He said, so I need you to tell me not only the interpretation, but I need you to tell me what the dream was itself. Uh-oh. They're in trouble now. Because all these years, they had a little material to work with. And now they're getting ready to be exposed for the frauds that they are. Because they never were able to dabble, able to provide to him any kind of real spiritual direction. It was all fraudulent. So now he's saying, tell me what the dream was and then tell me the interpretation. And they were like, can you give us any clue? Can you give us any heads up? Can you tell us anything that would, that would help us along? No, I need you to tell me what the dream was and then the interpretation. They were exposed for the frauds that they were. And they were not able to tell him the dream. And they were not able to tell him the interpretation. And he was going to have every wise man in the land murdered. He was going to order all their execution. Word got to Daniel, who was considered a wise man. And Daniel's response to it was, wait, wait a minute. What do you mean they couldn't interpret the dream? And they said they, they, he couldn't interpret the dream. Nobody knows what he dreamt and nobody could interpret it. He said, I'll interpret the dream for crying out loud. And, and so he goes before the king, and when he goes before the king, he says, before I say anything, I want you to know that what I'm getting ready to do is not by my might, and it's not by my power. This is a kingdom-minded man who's getting ready to talk, because he's letting you know it is by the power of God, and it's not by any power that I have in and of myself. And he said, this that I'm getting ready to share with you is of God, not of me. The thoughts of your head upon your bed were these. And he begins to describe the dream. And as he describes the dream, it all starts coming back to Nebuchadnezzar. And the dream consisted of a statue. It had a golden head. It had silver shoulders. It had a belly of brass. And it had uh, legs of iron. And it had feet of iron and clay. And he said, this was the... This was the, 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 the image that you had in your head in your dream. And he said, you're, you continued dreaming, and there was a rock that was hewn out of a mountain. It came out of the mountain, and it, and it tumbled down and struck 
this image. There was no man who hewed the, hewed the rock out of the mountain. It was hewed without hands, and it struck the image, and the image crumbled before the rock, and the rock replaced the image, and the rock grew until the rock became a mountain, and the mountain filled the whole earth. And that was your dream. And while he's talking, Nebuchadnezzar's like, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Legs of iron, iron and clay for feet. And, and yeah, there was a rock. It's all coming back to him while he's, while he's listening to this, inter- to this dream being set out before him. He said, what does it mean? And Daniel said, here is the interpretation of the dream. That golden head that sits atop that statue, that's your kingdom. And those silver shoulders and, and, and breasts that are beneath the head, that's the kingdom that's coming next. And then, and then that belly of brass is going to be the kingdom that follows that kingdom. And then the legs of iron is going to be a kingdom that follows the kingdom of brass. And then the feet of iron and clay are going to be the kingdom that follows it. And that rock that's hewn out of the mountain without hands and that strikes the image and the image crumbles and the rock replaces it and grows into a mighty mountain that fills the whole earth. That's the kingdom of God. Every kingdom shall come down. Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom is going to come down. The Persian kingdom was going to come down. The Grecian kingdom was going to come down. The Roman kingdom was going to come down. The kingdom of the Antichrist was going to come down. You hear me? And the kingdom of God is going to knock all of them down and replace them. And become a mountain that fills the whole earth. Glory to God. That rock, as Paul so eloquently said to the church at Corinth, that rock was Christ. That rock followed the people of God in the wilderness. Throughout the scriptures, you see Israel's interaction with the rock. And from Jacob laying on it as a stone, from the children of Israel drinking from it as Moses smote it and water came forth in the middle of the wilderness, from David using a small rock to slay Goliath, to honey coming out of the rock, to fire coming out of the rock, to this point at which a rock is hewn out of the mountain without hands, the rock followed them. All through their existence, no matter where they went, the rock was present. Clear up unto the passage that we read, Matthew 16, when Jesus said, This revelation you have, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, that is the rock. It's the same rock that gave them water in the wilderness. It's the same rock that was hewn out of the mountain without hands. It's the same rock Jacob used as a pillow. This rock, I will build my church upon this rock. Hallelujah. I will build my church upon this rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Hallelujah. And and, and Daniel explained to Nebuchadnezzar, so your kingdom's coming down. And then after that, you're going to be replaced, and that kingdom's going to come down, and every kingdom of the earth is going to come down, and it's going to be replaced by the kingdom of God. Do you know that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil, do you know that the devil offered him every kingdom of the world? And I believe that it was every kingdom, every government, every, every political establishment. I believe it was every spiritual kingdom. I believe it was 
all the money that you could want in the world. I believe it was all the filthy lucre you could ever want. And as Jesus surveyed all of the kingdoms of the world that the devil placed in front of him, and the devil said, all you've got to do is worship me and I'll give it all to you. The reason Jesus turned it down is because his is a greater kingdom. None, no, none of this. None of this matters. None of this will stand. All of this is going down in flames. All of this is going to crumble under the might and the power of the kingdom of God. So what I want to encourage you tonight to do as we look into the word of the Lord is to understand it's time to embrace the kingdom of God. It's time to, to immerse yourself in the kingdom of God. It's time to throw your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength into the kingdom of God. Because it's the only kingdom that will stand. And when you understand what the Bible says about this kingdom, there's nothing in the world like this kingdom. Hallelujah. I don't want anything else. This, I want to be in his kingdom. You know, the Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door it shall be opened. But the Bible not only tells you to seek and you shall find, he tells you what to seek. He doesn't say to go seek a bunch of this and that here and there. He says, seek ye first. Woo, hallelujah. Now you say, but I got a lot of stuff I need. All right, I get it. I know you, you, need, you need a good job. You need, you need good income. You need good health in your body. You need good family. You need good peace. Anybody want the stuff I'm talking about? You need clothes on your back. You need, an, uh, you need a reliable mode of transportation. All right, you need all that. Don't go seeking all that. Seek first the kingdom. Oh, I can tell I'm going to have to bring Scripture to you, okay? We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. I want to read it to you because this is what the Bible said. Matthew chapter 6. Now, these are the things we stress about. These are the things that keep us awake at night. But when the Bible begins to help us understand, we don't have to worry about things when we've got the kingdom. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, you know what, let's go to verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or, all, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That word mammon has to do with the spirit associated with money. It's an idol associated with, with money. And you can't serve God and serve the idol uh, and the spirit of money. And that's what people end up doing because they have need. They have need of things. So they go worship at the altar of the spirit of money in order that they can have the things they need. But he said, don't do that. Therefore, in verse 25, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. He said, don't worry about where your next meal is going to come from. He said, don't worry about what next, where your drink is going to come from. And don't worry about what clothes you're going to be able to put upon your back. He said, take no thought for what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or what raiment you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not. Neither do they reap. They don't even have a harvest. They don't sow and they don't reap. They don't gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Every day, never do they go hungry. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? What's all the thinking amounting to? What, what, what good is coming from all this worrying and fretting that you're doing? 
Can you add one cubit to your statue? Why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they toil not, neither do they spin. How they grow, they don't toil. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. Hallelujah. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you of you of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Hear this. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. This is what they seek. They seek the things that they need. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. All these things shall be added unto you. Everything that you need is going to be added unto you. God is going to add it unto you in the way of wisdom, in the way of knowledge, in the way of understanding, in the way of provision. How many saints of God can testify that what I'm saying is absolutely true? When you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... And you may say, well, that's not been my experience. I guarantee you it's been because you've been seeking other things. But here's, okay, here's the first thing that happens. When you start seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, the things of this world grow strangely dim. All of a sudden, the stuff you thought you needed, you don't need it like you did. And you actually stop caring whether you get it or not. That's what happens. You start focusing in. You start, you start focusing your mind and your spirit upon the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his presence. And the next thing you know, you're having to take a break to get a little bite of food because you stop wanting food the way you used to want food. You stop wanting raiment the way you used to want raiment. You don't need that position like you thought you needed that position. You don't need folks to think better of you the way you needed folks' approval in the past. What's happening? You're, you're, you're starting to zoom in on the kingdom and you're beginning to see a brighter day and you're beginning to see a better life and you're starting to see a deeper peace and a greater joy and it's all beginning to make sense. And God is so thoroughly grateful that you are coming into that understanding that he just starts adding the stuff you need. Don't worry, you're going, to get, you're going to get a better job than you had before this prayer meeting started. Don't worry, you're going to, hallelujah. Don't worry, don't worry, you're going to grow in favor, you're going to grow in wisdom, you're going to grow in stature. I, I, listen, I didn't say things, you won't have trials. Everybody goes through trials, everybody goes through struggles. But when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything that you need. He just starts adding it to you. You don't even know where it came from. You have no idea where it came from. Ah, oh, Lord, have mercy. I, I'll never forget the day that I, I said, Lord, I need, I have a need. We were in the middle of a very difficult financial crisis. A couple of, ne nearly a couple of decades ago, about 15 years ago, we were, we were in the middle of a very difficult season. And we had so much on our shoulders. And we were trying to get through it. And I said, Lord, I need a miracle. I was alone in the car. And I said, Lord, I need a miracle. I was on my way to church. I said, Lord, I need a miracle. 
I said, we need, and I calculated, I said, I need $770. That's what I need. I need $770. And I kid you not, I went into service that day. I preached. I came out of service, and on the door handle of my office was an envelope with $770 cash. I still don't know who did it. I don't know who did it. And I've told the story several times, and nobody's ever told me that they did it. Whether it was a, anybody, I don't know, but I know, I know who originated it. I know the source of it. Because when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things, all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. And he just says, you just keep doing my work. You just keep doing my work. You just keep doing my work. You keep doing my work. You keep sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. And I'm going to take care of the things. Hallelujah. This is the kingdom that we're talking about. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. It's a kind of a place where when one lost lamb ventures off to walk their own path, the Lord will leave the 90 and 9 in the wilderness and will seek for that one lost lamb. And bring it back on his shoulders and, and, and call his friends together and rejoice that the one lost lamb was found. It's the kind of a place where there can be ten valuable coins. And a lady having these ten coins could lose just one of them. And instead of sitting back and saying, well, I had ten coins and now I lost one. Well, nine is better than, than nothing. So, so that'll be, no, no, no. That's not the way this kingdom operates. She'll tear that whole house up looking for that one lost coin. That's how valuable you are to the God of this kingdom. He will push the things over, pull rugs up, push furniture upside down, looking for you, reaching for you. I told you already that the rock followed Israel through the wilderness. I want you to know there were times when Israel didn't follow God, but God was still following Israel. You know what I'm talking about. You remember when it was you. You didn't care about God. You didn't think about God. You stopped loving God a long time ago but God never stopped following you God never stopped searching for you he was hiding around the corner waiting for you to be in trouble waiting for you to need him how do you think you got home that night when you were so inebriated you didn't know how to get home by yourself God was following you How do you think you were kept and in your right mind? You were kept and in your right mind. I'll tell you how, because that's the beauty of his kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. He is intent. He is intent on establishing his kingdom. He wants to pull you back into the precious Eden that you were deceived out of. He wants to bring you back into a land where you'll never grow old. He wants to pull you back into a land where there are no tears, where there is no sorrow, where there is no sighing, where there is no crying, where there is no dying. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. My, 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 my. Glory to God, Isaiah. Glory to God, Isaiah chapter 65. 
lets us know what it's like. He said, Behold, I create new heavens, verse 17, and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered. You're not even going to remember COVID. You're not even going to remember job loss. You're not even going to remember sickness. You're not going to remember heartache and grief. You will not remember it. And you say, well, uh, how, will I, how will I not remember it if I'm going to know even as I'm known? You won't remember it the way it really was. You're going to see it for what it really was. You're not going to see it the way you perceived it and the way that it was presented to you by the lowercase G-O-D of this world. You won't remember the heartache and the pain and the grief, but you're going to understand all things and you'll understand it better by and by. He said, I created, a, I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind, but be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create for behold I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy and I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her nor the voice of crying he goes on to say there's not going to be any such thing as an infant dying there's not going to be any such thing as people not living out the fullness of life. There's not going to be anything about people dying before their time. That, that's not even going to happen. They shall build houses and shall inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people. And mine elect shall long enjoy the works of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. You know what he's telling you there? There are no predators anymore. Not in his kingdom. Predators are gone. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the bullock. Dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. Isaiah chapter 35. I'm talking about the kingdom tonight. This is the place God has prepared for us. Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them and the desert the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. The desert shall blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. God is going to redeem the barren places of the earth. And every place of the earth shall be new. And it shall bring forth much fruit. 
strengthen ye the weak hands, verse 3, and confirm the feeble knees. Hear this, say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert, and the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, in the habitation of dragons, where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes, and an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness, the unclean, if that's you, you better repent, and get baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. There's not going to be any fools there. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereupon. It shall not be found there. You don't have to worry about running into a murderer. You don't have to worry about running into a rapist or a, a some kind of a thief. You don't have to worry about running into somebody who is violent. No ravenous beast will be there. No lion shall be there. It shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there and the ransomed of the Lord shall return. They're returning to the land of God's promise. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs, with everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. My God, have mercy. Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Let me tell you something. This is a real place. This is a real place. And it's not... It's not some kind of little, you know, when we think of heaven, we've got, you know, Cupid flying around in a toga with harps. And that's not what, that's not the kingdom of heaven. See, people get, get, get the, the, the new Jerusalem mixed up with paradise. Paradise is where we are kept until the resurrection. And so that's where it's a spiritual existence. But when you're talking about the kingdom of heaven, you're talking about a place where we have new bodies. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. That's why regardless of what your body's feeling right now, can I get a witness? My Lord, you know what? The older I get, the more I'm realizing how fun it is to complain about aches and pains. I never understood that, and I'm, I'm getting there. It's actually kind of interesting just to hear and compare. You know, mine's in my knee, and, and, and I'm, I'm starting to understand that a little bit more. But I've got to tell you something. You better enjoy it while it lasts because ain't going to be any more aches in anybody's knees over yonder. Not going to be any more back pain. Not going to be any more spleen pain. Not going to be any more lung pain. Not going to be any more sickness. Hallelujah. You better get ready, ladies and gentlemen. This time to praise God right now. You ought to praise him for the kingdom of heaven right now. 
Revelation 21, verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away we heard Isaiah say it in the Old Testament John is confirming it in the New Testament the former things are passed away Hallelujah. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Revelation chapter 22, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Nicodemus said, Master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And he said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Jesus said, marvel not that I said unto thee that you must be born again. Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. He let him know, listen, this kingdom that I'm talking about, you can't get into it. By virtue of your own goodness. And you can't get into it by thinking your way and manipulating your way. And you're not going to get, you have to be born into this kingdom. Hallelujah. You say, well, I wasn't born into this kingdom. Well, then you need to be born again. You need to be born again. Hallelujah. I, I don't know what, how you were born and what challenges were presented to you but each and every one of us need to be born again thank you Jesus 
We've got to be born again. We've got to be born again. We've got to be born again. And if you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, spit the silver spoon out and be born again. And if you were born with hardship in the name of Jesus, get, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Be born again. We don't have, listen, listen, regardless of what our challenges are, it's time to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to give you everything. You've got to be born of the water and of the spirit. That's what Peter was talking about when he said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist came preaching the kingdom. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus came, he came preaching the kingdom. Listen to, listen to how life is in the kingdom. Are you ready to hear who, who's in the kingdom? You ready to hear what life is like in the kingdom? Listen, listen to this. I don't know. Maybe if you had a bad day at work today, just listen to, listen to who, who's in the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, hallelujah, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sakes, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and say, persecute you. You and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. My goodness, that, that you, you understand. You understand something. He just said, blessed are you. We call it the trial of fire. We call it the trial of our faith. But he said, you are blessed when men revile you, when men persecute you, when men say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And how do I respond to those things? Do I respond to those things by giving it back to him just the way they gave it to me? That's not, that's, not, that's not kingdom. That's how the Gentiles do it. That's how those who don't know God do it. But listen to what he said. He said, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what. You want to confound somebody? When they revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely, and you start rejoicing and being exceeding glad and loving, my goodness, hear what I'm telling you now. Loving your enemies, praying for them which persecute you, blessing them which despitefully use you. When you start treating them that way, it'll blow their mind and they'll be converted to the kingdom. He said rejoice and be exceeding glad. Why? For great is your reward in heaven. That's all that matters. Somebody said, well, we can't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. It is impossible to be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. It is impossible. If you are heavenly minded, you're all about earthly good. What did they say? They said, glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. If you're heavenly minded, you are all about earthly good. Great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. You're in good company. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. 
You are the city set on the hill that cannot be hid. It's, that's who you are. That's this kingdom. A kingdom where meekness is, is the coveted trait. Where purity of heart and peacemaking is the culture. A place where, where people long to be merciful. A place where people let their light so shine that others glorify their Father which is in heaven. Praise God. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus told them all about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And then he dies. And he's buried. And they really do forget about the kingdom. And they think it has all come to naught because he has died and has been buried. But old friend, he rises from the dead. He shows himself alive by many infallible proofs. Walks through a door without use, walks through a wall without using the door. He expounds unto them all the law and the prophets, beginning at Moses and the Psalms, and he deals with all of it and brings them right up to himself and convinces them on the road to Emmaus that he is the Christ. Hallelujah. And they know he is alive. He is alive forevermore. Praise God. Praise God. And before he ascended on high, he said to them, Go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. They go to Jerusalem and they're tarrying, waiting for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father, it's the promise he gave Abraham. It's, it's the promise he gave Noah. It was the rainbow in the sky. It's the promise. Every promise, my God have mercy, every promise he ever gave anybody was wrapped up in the promise of the Father that was going to fall on them in that upper room. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were devout Jews from every nation under heaven that came to that place and saw them worshiping God, glorifying God in tongues. They could not speak and they said behold these are all Galileans how do we hear them speaking in Parthian and, and Mede and Persian and Cretan how do we hear them speaking in the languages wherein we were born knowing that they are not able to speak those languages they heard them declaring the glory of God hallelujah and Peter standing up with the eleven said these men are not drunk as you suppose You've asked, what does this mean? This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And on your servants and on your handmaidens, I'll pour out my spirit upon your sons and daughters. They're going to prophesy. Your old men are going to dream dreams. Your young men are going to see visions. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what Peter preached. Because we jump from that part of the chapter to verse 38 that I read a moment ago. But he preached the kingdom. Acts chapter 2, verse 19, I will show wonders in heaven above. I will show signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. 
The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. You have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. It was not possible because he was sinless. It was not possible that he should be holding of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. He's quoting the Psalms. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Listen to what he said in verse 29. Men and brethren, let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ. He pointed their attention to the book of Psalms where David is prophesying that Christ would raise from the dead. That his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which you now see and hear. David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that this same Jesus whom ye have crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this. You have to understand the context. It was when they heard all of this. That this is the one Moses spoke about. And we crucified him. This is the one David foretold. And we crucified him. This is, the, this is the one who was spoken of by all the prophets of the Old Testament. The books of the law and the Psalms and the Proverbs. They all spoke concerning this Christ. And we have taken him by wicked hands and have crucified him and slain him. When they heard this. That's when they were pricked in their heart. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Let me, let, me, let me translate to you what they were saying. It's over. It's hopeless. We heard all about the wolf laying down with the lamb, but that's over. We heard all these promises about no more sighing and dying and no more sorrow, but it's over. It's hopeless. We crucified the Messiah. The kingdom came and went. The kingdom that we have longed for, the kingdom that our fathers told us about, it arrived and it's gone. That's what Peter told them. You slew him. He rose from the dead, but you slew him with wicked hands. And when they heard it, they said, all hope is gone. What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, hey, you know what? 
I remember a conversation I had with him where he was asking us what people said about him and who people said he was. And some said he was Jeremiah and some said he was Elijah and some said he was John the Baptist. And, and, and while I'm standing there, I received a revelation that he's not just one of the great prophets, that he's not Elijah come back to life, that he's not just Zechariah, Zephaniah, Haggai, Habakkuk. He's not Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi, or Micah. He's not Moses, Abraham, Noah, or Gideon. But he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I spoke to him and I said, Thou art the Christ. And he looked at me and changed my name. He said, I will no longer be Simon, but I will be Peter or Petra, Little Rock. And I don't mean Arkansas. Hallelujah. Petra. Because upon this rock of revelation you have received, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you, Peter, the keys to the kingdom. And Peter said, I know the door is shut. I know the kingdom came and went. I know we're all locked out. But he gave me some keys. And if you want to get in, I can let you in. My God. And as he laid out the next three statements, he was systematically unlocking the door to the pure in heart, to the peacemaker, to the light of the world, to the city on a hill that cannot be hid, to where the wolf will lay down with the lamb, to where the lion will eat straw like an ox, hallelujah, to where there's no sighing and dying and crying and sorrow, to where disease is no longer. He opened the door to the kingdom. When he said repent, and that simply means turning away from your sins. Just walk away from it. And you may not think you can. I rebuke that thought in Jesus' name. Because it won't be by your power and it won't be by your might. You will do it by the power of God. You will find him to be a very present help in the time of trouble. You repent from your sins. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? That God will give you power to walk away from the things you used to say, the things you used to do, that kept you from enjoying the power of his kingdom. Hallelujah. Don't just repent of your sins. He said, you, you haven't fully repented until you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's when you give up your name and you take on his name. The beauty of that is he takes, you see, your name carries a record and his name carries a record. Your name carries the record of all your foolishness and all your arrogance and all your ignorance. Mine does too. It's got this record that's so laden with sin and wickedness and ungodliness. In the waters of baptism, I give Give that name to him. And he gives me the name that's above every name. He gives me the name wherein there is no sin. And there is no sorrow. And there is no wickedness or uncleanness. And when I stand before his throne of judgment, I'm not standing there as Joel Urshan, the awful, terrible, dirty, rotten scoundrel. Standing there as one washed in the blood. Washed in the blood, it means, it means cleansed by the DNA of him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His life replaces mine. And now all of a sudden, just as he was kind, I become kind.
And just as he was good, I become good. And just as he was innocent, I become innocent. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost will get down deep on the inside of you and fill you up to overflowing. Yes, he will. The Holy Ghost will get down. It's the spirit of the living God. He'll come down on the inside of you. And that spirit, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body. Hallelujah. On that great getting up morning when all the saints shall rise, when the roll is called up yonder, that spirit of God on the inside of you will begin to quicken. I said he'll begin to quicken your mortal body. This is the hope of the gospel. This is the hope of the church. Is that we'll be raised to life again. This is why missionaries are willing to lay their lives down. Because they know they're going to live again. Hallelujah. This is why they're willing to go into foreign fields and say, whatever comes my way, in the name of Jesus, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Because they know. I live again. These are the keys of the kingdom. These are the keys that unlock the door. Now I said all of this to say this. These are the keys. These are the only keys you need to unlock every door in the kingdom. Now for too long, let me talk to those who are apostolic Pentecostal, those who are, have been in this a little while. Let me talk to you. For too long, we have used those keys to open the door and stand in the lobby. We just look around and clap our hands together sometimes and sometimes get a little blessed. And, and, uh, and we come and go and do our thing and we stand in the lobby. But he said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. There are many rooms. That's what it means. There are many rooms in my father's house. And what God wants us to do is to move from the lobby into the dining room, into the man cave, into the library, into the conservatory, Colonel Mustard, with a Bible, in the library. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is more. There are gifts of the Spirit. There are fruit of the Spirit. There's more. Hallelujah. You need, to go, you need to go open every door to forgiveness you can find. You need to open every door of healing you can find. You need, come on, go explore that place. Go, there's no door that's shut to you. You've got the keys. When you check into a hotel, they're going to give you a key. And that key is not just going to open up the door you're going to sleep in. It's going to open up the door where you want to work out 
going to open the door to the swimming pool. It's going to open the door to the laundry room. It's going to open the door past midnight when you're coming up to the front door. That key works everywhere in all ways. That's the way it is with the master key. When you've got the master key, you can walk in the front door and you can go to every other door in the building because you've got the master key. That's what repentance is. That's what baptism in Jesus' name is. That's what the infilling of the Holy Ghost is. It's the master key. When I needed God to open the door for our building permit, it was a door that just was, it was just, I could not get that thing open. And I needed God to open it. I felt the Lord say, use your keys. You're asking me to come and open it, and I've already given you the keys. So you know what I did? I took those same keys I had when I was six years old. And I just applied them all over again. I said, Lord, cleanse me from every sin. Cleanse me from every iniquity. Cleanse me from every secret fault. Cleanse me from my transgressions. Purify my heart and my mind and my soul. Wash me thoroughly. Purge me with hyssop. Create in me a clean heart. If there be any wicked way in me, wash me thoroughly. Help me, Lord, to turn away from my sin. And I immerse myself, not in physical water, but I immerse myself in prayer. I immerse myself in fasting. I immerse myself in the will and the word of God, in prayer, in faith believing. And I spoke in tongues again. And I prayed intercessory prayer again. And I called on God again. And I stepped into the throne room again. And the door opened up. And every door you need God to open, if it's his will for the door to open, the keys always work. They always work. They always work. The first thing you need to do if you can't get progressed in the way you know God wants you to go, the first thing you need to do is repent. I repented 45 years ago. Yeah, but you need this key for this door. You make sure your heart's clean, your heart's pure, your mind's clean, your mind's pure, your spirit's clean, your spirit's pure. You'd be surprised in this physical body how much junk you can pick up. You can walk out into this world clean and pure and holy and sanctified and spend eight hours at the job. And you better know when you get home, you need to be clean and pure again. You're like Scott's tape, just rub it across the couch. The couch looks clean, but you'd be shocked what all comes off on that piece of tape. It's an adhesive, and your spirit is an adhesive, and stuff just gets gathered up on you. You've got to repent again. You've got to immerse yourself in the presence of God again. You've got to pray in the Holy Ghost again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what. I, I've just, you know what? I've just seen it happen too many times. Where I, I start looking at the situation, I'm beating my head against a wall, I'm fighting, I've got one foot on the door frame and my hand's on the, the doorknob trying to pull things open. And God is saying, hey, remember those keys I gave you. Humble yourself and have a pure heart. Humble yourself and pray. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. What's he telling you to do? He's telling you to use the keys. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. That's the kingdom, and 
These are the keys. Hallelujah. And no door that God wants open can be shut to you. That's what the Apostle Paul said, and I'm coming to a close right now, but that's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, the Lord has set before me an open door. There are many adversaries, but it's an open door. And I'm going to tell you something. If it's an open door, it doesn't matter how many adversaries there are. Walk on through the door. Walk on through the door. Hallelujah. Somebody lift your hand right now in this house. And ask God to just help you right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I believe God's trying to do something in somebody's life. And you're struggling to know how to, how to go forward. And God is saying, I've given you the keys. If you'll repent, if you'll repent, if you'll cleanse your heart before me, if you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, if you'll immerse yourself in my presence again, I will open every door. Doors will start flying open that need to fly open. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what? You know what I love about those? You can go ahead and stand with me. I'm coming to a close. But you know what I love about those, those, those uh, electronic keys they give nowadays? You know, they don't, at hotels, they don't give you the big old clunky key with the big old clunky keychain. And you, you know, you, you got a little electronic thing and you can wave it over stuff and, and the door just opens. That's the way the keys of the kingdom work. You take it and you just wave it over the door. And if the door doesn't unlock, it's not the right door. It's not the right door. You just go up with a pure heart, a humble heart, with, with a desire to do the will of God, to do the work of God, be immersed in his presence, be full of prayer and fasting and faith, and you walk up to that door and you just take that key and swipe it. And if you're like me, you're three doors down and wrong, uh, wrong side of the hallway. Oh, that's not even my, oh my goodness, I got to go over here. And then, But when you get it in the right door, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody's trying to walk through a door tonight, and God's trying to tell you, I'll open it. But you've got to use the keys, the keys to the kingdom. You've got to have a pure heart, and only God can purify your heart. Can we reach out to him right now all across this place? Can we just reach out to him right now in the name of Jesus? These altars are open if you want to come to the front of this house. These altars are open. If somebody's repented before, but you want to repent again, now would be a good time. Maybe you've never repented before. Now would be a good time. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, let us baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. <laughs> yeah, Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, somebody, that's it. Seek him, seek him, seek him, seek him.
I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still you give, still you give your love away. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Give yourself away. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want each and every one of us right now to just concentrate our minds and our our thoughts upon the Lord and I want us to repent can we do that right now let's take that precious key that key to all things and just say God help me today help me to turn help me to turn from sin help me to turn from those things that are not like you help me today give me the strength Lord give me the conviction of heart in the name of Jesus God will do it right now God will do it right now God will put a conviction down in your heart and you'll start walking away from things that have held you bound for years. Yes, you will. If you call on him, he'll answer prayer. I said he'll, if you call on him, he'll answer prayer. He'll, he'll speak while you're, while you're speaking. He'll hear you. He'll come to you before. He'll answer you before you pray. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the kingdom. Just call on him right now. Say, Lord, I need help in the name of Jesus. I need help in the name of Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. I need help, Lord. I need help, Lord. Come on, give him that habit right now. Give him that addiction right now. Come on, give him that, give him that self-pity. Give him that bitterness. Give him that brokenness of heart. Hallelujah. Give him that grudge you've been harboring. Give him that lust of the flesh that you wish you didn't have, but you don't know what to do with it. God will take it from you. God will take it from you right now in Jesus' name. God will take it from you right now in Jesus' name. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Call on him. That's it. Call on him. Yes, that's it. Call on him. He'll answer prayer. He will answer prayer. That's it. Call on him. That's it. Call on him. Lift up your voice and call on him. Hallelujah, Lord. God, I lay it on.
never Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to keep praying, continue praying by all means. Lift up your hands with me in the name of the Lord. God, be with us tonight as we go from this house. Bless your people. Lord, you have given us keys to the kingdom. Help us to live kingdom-minded every day. Help us to live kingdom-minded at the workplace, kingdom-minded in our homes, kingdom-minded in our relationships, kingdom-minded, Lord. Let us seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lord, let us seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that everything we need shall be added unto us. Lord, you are our divine portion. We trust in you. We lean on you. We call upon you, O oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Let it be even now in the name of Jesus. Come on, say in the name of Jesus. Can you give him praise right now? Can you give him praise right now? Come on, let's see it. Let's give him praise in the name of the Lord. Yeah, yes. God bless you in Jesus' name.